Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9. People yuck it up about what they see as small potatoes. What's it say in the first part of this verse? Fools make a mock at sin. Ha ha ha. He did this. He did that. There's an awful lot of stupid stuff gets said to excuse or minimize sin. My mom my dad respected her desire to rear us in what people would call a straight, old-fashioned Christian home. There were some things that we weren't too, too particular about. But uh, alcohol and tobacco were known. And while the other kiddos went to dance every Friday night, Mom said, you don't do that. And one day, Mom, why not? Because it's worldly. You're conforming to the Word. There are too many temptations there. I know a lot of people, well, I respected that. And I grew up in that home. But I had a friend right up the street, and his name was Dave Salas. And Dave and several of us were talking. And he said one day, hey, I didn't see you at the dance Friday. No, I wasn't. You weren't there the last week either. No, I wasn't. Have you been sick? Or? Well, I don't go. Why not? What's wrong with you? He said, well, from my perspective, it's too worldly. Worldly? Yep. It wasn't until later I read Pilgrim's Progress. We talked about Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Oh, that's okay. No big deal. But you know what? People hear things like that and they throw it back in your face. So a few days later, I was talking to my buddy Eddie Silva. He and I played chess. Eddie's better than me. He'd usually win four out of five in play. And we're talking about getting a chess club going. And we're talking, and Dave walks up. And uh, Eddie says, we're, we're thinking of getting a chess club together. Steve and I and some other, you play, don't you, Dave? And he says, well, I play, but uh, Steve won't join us. It's too worldly. And a lot of people laugh at Jerry Seinfeld, and I'll have to admit some of the things, some of his routines can be funny. But I was watching one of his routines once when he said, what's the deal with these church people? Can't they get it? I mean, all the preacher needs to do is say, God good, Satan bad. But they got to go back every week like Christians are a bunch of lame brains. They're the objects of our derision. Some people say, I'm sophisticated. I, I don't know how to do that. I don't think that way. But the scripture stands. Fools make a mock at sin. How dangerous is sin? James 1 says, Sin when it is finished bringeth 
forth death. That's pretty serious. And elsewhere in Proverbs, the Lord says, All them that hate me love death. If you don't go by this book, God says, You've got a death wish. You're tired of living. How does God view sin? Sin is condemned in the Word of God. It's a degrading thing, especially in the book of Proverbs. If you're fancy free and think nothing matters and applies to me, you need to stay away from the book of Proverbs if you want to be consistent with that because Proverbs tells you how to think, how to feel, how to talk, how to walk. It's one reason why we had the five days of talking about walking with God. And we talked about heroes of faith. We started with Enoch, who walked with God, made a difference. Noah walked with God, made a difference. We talked about Abraham. Talked about David. We talked about an elderly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. We talked about Cleopas and his buddy. We even had an opportunity, even after a storm, to talk a little bit about Paul from beginning to the end, the walk that we have with God. But sin is a degrading thing. I told you about the fisherman slash storyteller, Fred Bright. The one thing he said that was absolutely on the line when people would talk about varying from the standards God has laid down, he'd say, don't you keep yourself. You start thinking, sin's a light thing! It's not God's business. It is. We're going to stand before God, folks. That's right. We talked this morning in Sunday school. See how Sunday school helps? Sometimes we get distracted. Well, I'll just keep my cards to myself. I'm not going to tell people it's a sin. I respect people who will stand up, who will dare to be a Daniel. Roger Gore was in a church where there was bad stuff going on. And he spoke out! And people, what, what's your problem? Billy Cato was in a church where people did some bad stuff and he spoke out! Sometimes you have to stand alone. It's easier for the preacher to kind of schmooze and, and oh, I want to get along, so I'm going to go along. I'll look the other way. There's nothing I'm going to say about that. I remember a TV show in my youth where there was a minister and somebody had something that we would say, that's a sin. And they turned to the minister and they said, is that a sin? And he said, well, perhaps. Looking for loopholes. That's what the sinful mind does. I got news for you. Well, I'm a Christian. You still have that sin nature. There's a part of you and there's a part of me that's looking for an out. We want an easy way. But God hates sin. In fact, we look at the Ten Commandments and we say those are imperatives. God says, don't do this, do do that. But there's a sense in which we could indicate those as indicatives. If you are a child of God, 
you will have only one God. You won't have, you won't make any other gods. You will honor His day. You will honor His name. You will honor your parents. You will honor other folks' property rights. You will honor the marital commitment. You will honor life, especially taking life. And if there's anything else, anytime you vary from God's perspective, what God requires of you, that very last commandment, thou shalt not covet. Because when you covet, you say, I'd kill to get that. I'd steal to get that. I'd commit adultery to that. I'd cuss to get that. Guess what? You're saying, God made a mistake. What God set up, that's not right. I know I've told you before, but I can't help but think of a lady who said, oh, you're a preacher. Pray you'll get money. And I said, I'm going to pray for the Lord's will. And she said, no, don't pray for that. Pray you'll get money. That's the way we are many times. We think we know God's way better than He. What's the Bible say about sin? Matthew 15, Jesus says, it's not what goes into the man that defiles, but it what, it's what comes out. What comes out of the heart? What comes out of the mind? And it comes out of the mouth. It's a disgusting thing. In Isaiah 65, 6, the Lord speaks of the sins of His people. He says, it is as a smoke in my nose. If somebody takes a puff and blows it in your face, oh, thank you very much. I like that type. No, how about you? But I, <laughs> I get choked up with that happens. It's a damning thing. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is not a slap on the wrist. The wages of sin is not a slight inconvenience. The wages of sin is death. They made a film about Pilgrim's Progress. And Christian is burned down. And you can hear voices wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Death! Death! The wages of sin is death. The world says, oh, tone it down. Come on, preacher. Come on, Sunday school teacher. Come on, mom and dad. It ain't no big thing. It be a big thing. It really is. Sin is so expensive. It cost our first parents paradise. Isaiah says in the 59th chapter, when you cry out to me, it's not that my ear is heavy that I can't hear. Your sins have separated you from God. You ever pray and you feel like nobody's listening? Well, of course, God hears all of us. But He doesn't hear in the sense of I'm going to respond as they wish. David said in the 66th Psalm, if I regard iniquity in my heart, not even just doing it or talking it, if I have it in here and I'm a hypocrite and go to pray, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he says, the Lord will not hear me. So get your act together. Make sure your heart is clear before you go to the Lord. Make sure when you pray, you're not praying, seeking vengeance, seeking your own will. Christ left His presence 
and wealth with the Father. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 tells us He through His poverty has made us rich. Untold heartache throughout history. Read Romans 3. Start in verse 10 and then just keep reading. And it talks about how we are sinners through and through. It's not just a little bit. It's not just on one day of the week. It's all the time. Everywhere. Everybody we're with. We are sinners. And the fact of the matter is that we had a guy in the Bible who I can't wait to get in the pulpit and say, You bunch of sinners! And the instructor says, Yeah, but make sure there's a mirror so you can see this page one, two. Sometimes people get the bridges of sin. I don't need to go into temptation. I don't need temptations to come to me. I need to be careful because I'm God's property. I don't want to trash God. If you're God's property, you don't want to trash God. I don't want to do anything that might even suggest. That's why it says, avoid the appearance of evil. I admitted something to my class. Well, even Paul hadn't heard it. How did I? I did a dumb thing. I thought it was cute. And it came back to bite me. Ouch. So, think about what you do. Ideas, words, attitudes, consequences, or actions, they all have consequences. Now, how do fools view sin? Well, our text says fools make a mock at sin. <laughs> I bet you think that's so bad, don't you? In Genesis 4, it tells us about Cain, who makes a crack about what he had done. Yes, I'm going to get clobbered for this one. Ha, ha, ha. I doubt there's any ha, ha, you're doing it at all. And then. A little bit later in the same chapter, talks about Lamech. He says, Hey, if you think Cain was a stinker, look what I did. They brag on how much evil they have accomplished. I'm the worst of the bunch. <laughs> you know, when Paul says, Christ died for sinners, of whom I am chief, he wasn't bragging. He was admitting he had done excessive evil. And he wasn't proud of it, not one little bit. Jeroboam. The Bible is being read. Is, give me that book. Throws out his name. Throw it in the fire. I don't want to hear that stuff. We read about Ahab. Ahab had a man that rose up to challenge him. Ahab didn't like that. He wanted everybody to be on the same page. He was, yeah, he could face judgment, but you know what, folks? He was just biding his time. That's the way it comes out. And when he sees the prophet, he says, You're the one who's troubling Israel. The prophet gave it right back. No, stop me, it's you, kid. You're setting a bad example. You're setting a very poor standard. There was a man lived several centuries ago. He lived in a town called Hippo. He wasn't a hippo, but he lived in a town called Hippo. And his name was Augustine. And one of the greatest biographies ever written is his Confessions. I encourage a Christian to read the Confessions of Augustine. 
because we talked about a radical transformation. Did we read that? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And that was real with Augustine. This is a quote from his confessions. My mother commanded me not to commit fornication, and especially that I should not defile any man's wife. This seemed to be no better than women's counsels, which it would be a shame for me to would be ashamed for you to follow. I ran headlong with such blindness that I was ashamed among my equals to be guilty of less impudence than they were, whom I heard brag mightily of their naughtiness. Yea, and so much more the boasting by how much more they had been beastly. And I took pleasure to do it, not only for the pleasure of that, but for the praise of it also. Way to go, bud. Well, you, you really... The world thinks it's harmless fun. When God gave the victory to Joshua and the Israelites over Jericho, God told them in advance, leave the stuff alone. But there was a man, ironically his name was Achan. Hey, what could go wrong with a name like Achan? You know, that's how he ended up. He saw some goodies. Use this, it'd be a shame. So he took it back. He did under his tent. <laughs> I'm not one of these saps that does everything Joshua says. I can have my cake and eat it too. I don't think so. So the next time they go to a city, it's a smaller city, and they said, This is going to be a piece of cake. They're probably thinking, We don't even need God to help us. We can pull this one off on our own. And they went against AI and they left going, Aye! because they got clubbed. 36 men died. Joshua says, Lord, didn't we follow the instructions? How could you let this happen? You've given us victory after victory. And now this. And the Lord says, there's sin in the camp. Find it out. Deal with it. You know, the New Testament, it says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's how it was in the Hebrew camp. They had a man named Achan who said, fool me one, God says, I'm going to get rich. If somebody else wants to blindly, like a sheep, follow what Joshua says, maybe God said that, maybe not. What's it going to hurt? They're going to be dead anyway. They can't use it. Might as well let God's people have it. Interesting how we rationalize things, isn't it? But he wound up dead. Along with his wife and his kiddos, there was a pile of the stone. And that was not only the execution place, but the memorial, if you will, for Ahab, or Achan. And then the, somebody said, why was it in the Old Testament when God was mean? What? Our God doesn't change. Sin is sin. Whether it was thousands of years ago or 2022, God tells us, be sure your sin will find you out. And greed. You know what we're susceptible? Greed. We want stuff. We want money. We want power, prestige, and influence. We want to be able to 
control things. Well, in the early church, there was a man named, actually, his name was changed to Barnabas because he was part of the solution. There was a great need. The, the folks needed money so they could help the people. And we took out a mission offering so we can help those who are hazarding life and limb. They go halfway around the world sometimes to go to a people who, by and large, don't want them, think they don't need them, but they desperately need the gospel. They desperately need teaching in the things of God. Well, the man steps up to the plate. He came up with some money. Some think that he got that from selling some land. However, he got the money. He came in and brought it to the apostles as use this for the work of the Lord. And so that's why they give him Barnabas, which means son of consolation. Here's somebody who's part of the solution. Let's hear it for Barnabas. Well, there's a man over here on the side. You know, I sure would like people to brag on me. I sure would like people to think of me as a hero. And he says, woman, <clears throat> we got some land. We can sell that land. And so Sapphira said, and? But we'll sell the land that, you know, we don't have to give the whole enchilada. We can say something for the Lord and something for us. We can have our cake and eat it too. How's that sound to you? Sounds good to me. And so they came up and, you know, they just said, I want to give this portion of money. But no, Ananias wants as much credit as possible. Said, I sold a piece of land and here is the whole amount. Peter had been tipped off by the Lord. The Peters, Peter said, why has Satan tempted you to lie? You didn't just lie to us. You lied to the Holy Spirit. Not just to men, but to God. And you know what happened in his He couldn't observe the Lord's Supper for a week. No, he could never observe the Lord's Supper again in this world because he dropped dead. Meanwhile, Sapphira's off in a wicked Look at magazines or whatever they do in waiting room back then. And after a while, just about the time two young bucks come in, probably a couple of guys like like uh, Cody and Britt, they come, they got the shovels, they probably got dirt on them. I, don't, I can't wait to go take a shower. And Peter says, stick around. For you see, they called in Sapphira. And they said, now, your husband said that you gave a whole amount. And you know what she said? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's what your husband said. And now he's dead. And you two are together in life. You're going to be together in death. Fellas, I'm glad you didn't shower. I'm glad you didn't put those shovels up. Because you're going to bury her. Me? I'm not dead. You are now. And she dropped dead. And you 
you know what? The next time the church got together, la da da, you know, everything is hunky dory. No, great fear came upon the church. God means business. I'm here to tell you, folks. God means business. If you fritter your time and your talents, if you don't keep the Lord first, it's not the church that suffers first and foremost. It's you. You're going to pay. A preacher got up once and he said to his fellow preachers, I'm thankful that I've got a church where that's 100% high. And the other, well, what did you do? He says, well, not what you think. Some would pay the church. They put it in the plane. They put it in the box. Others pay because they have bigger doctor bills. They have other challenges. Because God will get. You think you're going to rob God? It seems like all through the year I hear these commercials. The IRS is ramping up. You're not going to get away with it. It's not a question of if, but when they catch you, when they do, they can hit you pretty hard. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid of the IRS. And yet they would rob God? This is the point where somebody says, you know, he doesn't stop preaching and then started meddling. That's part of my job. Hold our feet to the fire. Mine too! Marcia says, well, we got this debt, we got this problem, this challenge. You pay the Lord first. You pay the Lord first. You pay him out of the other. Well, if I got anything left at the end of the month, I'll throw the Lord a bone then. That don't make him happy. After all, he's got the cattle on half miles of hills. That's not the question. The question is, do you keep the Lord first with your time? You know, the first day of the week, there's a reason why what we call Sunday is the first day of the week. Before you make your money. Before you do this, that, and the other. God comes first. You get up in the morning, think about the Lord first. All the challenges we have, the Lord comes. If the Lord is not in the picture, people watch shows like the Waltons, look at those quaint, silly, primitive people. They pray over their meals. They're reading the Bible. <laughs> I'm glad we're past that stage. Yeah, look what we have in the place of it. The sin that goes on all about us. They think it's harmless fun. Proverbs 10.23 says, It is like sport to a fool to do mischief. I get around Christian people. Boy, when I was a kid, I was a stinker. And they start bragging about the stuff they mom never found out. And she did. She didn't really book me. <laughs> that's not something to laugh about. I, that's the bad thing about having a good memory. You remember stupid things you said and did. The man with wisdom, the man with experience, and has a good track record, you ask him, how do you learn to say and do the right things? All the times I didn't say the wrong thing. Got my ears pinned back a few times. We were first married. And my mother-in-law, I love her. She's the only parent we got left. And she had so much going on, raising seven kids and, and nursemaid Josie Harris. I came in one day and Usually, 
the dishes didn't get washed right after a meal. And they stack up and stack up, and finally when they're down to the last dish, time to wash dishes, and they wash dishes. I came in one day, all the dishes were washed and put away. And Bozo here says, hey, what happened? The young husband says, honey, can't you cook? Ooh. They say you ought to go in a marriage with both eyes wide open, and afterward, keep them half shut. If you're the person that's got to nitpick and find fault with everything, you might find that there's wisdom in what Proverbs says, he who would have friends would show himself friendly. Love covers a multitude of sin. I've eaten a few things I didn't care for, except green beans, because that made me sick. But uh, cut people some slack. I'm thankful for people cut me some slack. In Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19, it says it's the fool who does something stupid, and then when they get called it, oh, I just didn't. Why'd you say it? You see, if the words come out, where'd they come from? Came from within. Think about that. The adulterous woman in Proverbs 30, verse 20, she does all kinds of bad stuff, and then she says, I'm anything wrong. Things don't really change much, do they? Proverbs 9, 17 says, Stolen waters are sweet. I'll give you another quote about Augustine. The narrative says, once during the holidays he robbed a pear tree. He tells of the event with a quite extraordinary psychological profundity. Those are big words I know, but really something we should think about. He desired to rob the tree, and he did rob it, but was impelled neither by hunger nor poverty. In fact, he did not want the pears at all. There were better ones in his own orchard. What's his problem? Why is he stealing? Even after the theft, he took no joy in what he'd stolen. And here's what he said. Boils down to this. I took joy, he says, in the theft and in the sin. Well, look what I got away with. See, a sinner is trying to see how far he can push the envelope. What he can get, get away with. He, he's always got, oh, I was just kidding well, I didn't really mean it. Why'd you say it? Why was it that? See, funny thing about words. Marsha's mother once said, I wish when I said something, those words had a spring. I could pull them back and take them back. But you can't. Once it's said, it can't be unsaid. How should God's people view sin? If a sin is a light thing to you, people say, that's a small sin. Really? Proverbs says it's a, maybe it's Song of Solomon. The word says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. My only, I'm not complaining, it's just a fact of life. Uh, we ran over a rock or a sharp stone or a piece of glass or a nail or something. On our way up Highway 61. You know, not all of it's paved yet. And that's just the price you pay. Maybe someday we'll get uh, 
10 blinds and six blind tires. So we pulled in there Monday, no problem. Got up Tuesday morning and low tire. Hmm. Thankfully, Sister Julie had a bump and shh, blew it up. It's okay. Well, it's just a, it's some, for some reason, we had a little bit of a leak. And that was Tuesday. Wednesday, no problem. Thursday, it was low again. Sister Julie, help us out. Shh. And it was okie dokie. Got back here to town Friday. We talked about distractions. There they go. Right on cue. So, yesterday, I came up to the church. I've always got something to do. And I pulled up, and as I was getting, wait a minute, and I looked at my dashboard down to four pounds. It's supposed to be around 30. So I called. Brother Kenny, you have an air pump, don't you? And you know, Marsha actually called, and she said, he saved me in five or ten minutes. And that's about how soon he was there. Shh! Pumped it up. 33 pounds, wasn't it? That got me home. No problemo. Got up this morning. I got in the car. Marsha gets in the car. Oh, down to 14 pounds. Well, like the wag says, it's only flat on the bottom. That helps a lot. How big is the hole? You probably couldn't see it unless you had a magnifying glass. But that itty bitty hole. And that's the way sin is. You can be out in a boat. The boat in the water is the boat in the right place. But if you have a leak, the water in the boat is the water in the wrong place. Friday we had beautiful weather. We saw guys out in kayaks while we were fishing. And I guarantee you, if those kayaks sprung a leak, they wouldn't be out there in a long. The kayaks might be out there even at the bottom of the lake, but the kayak wouldn't float. Not much of a boat if you have a problem there. Turn to 1 John chapter 1, please. Uncleanness. In the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, the Jews were told it was your responsibility to stand at a distance and alert people. Unclean! Unclean! Well, we may have not walked in here and said, unclean, unclean. But we know that we've not thought the right thoughts. We've not had the right feelings. Often we don't say the right words or do the right things. How are we going to make it right? Well, I'm just resolved not to do that again. That's not the biblical conclusion of the matter. 1 John 1.7 If we walk in the light, and the light, of course, is afforded the Lord. We can know about it when we read His Word. When we walk with the Lord in the light of the Word, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Ooh, that's wonderful. I like food. I love fellowship. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, that cleanses, 
cleanseth us from all sin. Your sins, my sins, were bad enough. Jesus died for them. He didn't say, oh, we'll throw a nickel at it. Oh, we'll say a prayer for that. Oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. No. The ultimate sacrifice. Jesus shed his blood. Not a few drops. He paid with all of his blood. He gave it all. He laid down his life. That's a that's that's something we should think of when we see this big nail up here. Jesus didn't just get a timeout for our sin. He died. A gruesome or horrific way to die. Think of that next time you tell a little lie. You cut a little corner. You know it's wrong. God knows it's wrong. Well, how wrong is it? Wrong is wrong. Need to take that seriously. As I told you, in Psalm 66, 18, David says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, I turn, Now, Lord, I want to ask for, it's as if the ceiling is brass. I know. If I regard iniquity in my heart, Bank robbers pull up in front of first place. Okay, okay, guys. Before we go in the bank, you got your you got your masks, you got your guns. Okay, let's pray. What? Yeah. Oh Lord, help us not to get hurt. Help us to get a lot of money. In Jesus' name, Amen. Does the Lord honor that kind of prayer? I don't think so. I regard nickel in my heart. The Lord does not hear me. In the Corinthian church, there were some people, they were loose as a goose. Doesn't matter what I talk about. Doesn't matter how I dress. Doesn't matter how I spend my money, my time, and who I'm with. Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm saved by grace. And so, I don't have any rules or regulations. Really? You're not ruled by the law of Christ? Well, I got a lot of latitude there. I can make my own decisions. Look out. Look out. You have a responsibility because you are to represent the Lord Christ. And what you wear, what you do. And please don't ask me who, but I had to talk to a couple of young people about what they were wearing. They didn't see, well, one of them didn't see anything wrong with it. Tried to argue with me a little bit. But the other said, oh, I thought not. Better safe than sorry. You know, there are a lot of things that they might seem innocent, but to offend a brother, a sister, it's not worth it. Some people think it's cute. It's not. God knows our hearts. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us. It's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to ruin your testimony. You can live a life of apparent maturity and then with one act, you can wipe it out. Marsh and I were in church once where the preacher was lambasted by a minority in the church to be 
<coughs> at least 70% of the church thought everything was okay. But there were some, there was a bad element there. The bad element decided to call a meeting. And the gentleman, rather than say, you're out of order, he said, he said you have something to say? He said, yeah. And they said some stuff. And then others said, may I say? And they stood up and said some things very encouraging. And on reflection, I'm sure that man thought, it's not as bad as, as all that. If there's a bad element, you, know, you always have a Diotrephes who wants to have the preeminence. You always have an Ananias or Sapphira. There are scoundrels. But you know, right at the end, he said, if it weren't for a few people who had the courage to say something, I feel like telling a whole bunch of you, he told them to go someplace where they never need ice cream. And when he saw me, he said, I guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but once it's said, be careful, little hands, where you, what you touch. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little tongues, what you say. Your Father up above. You still teach that to the little ones? I hope the big ones don't forget that. I hope I never forget that. I'm going to close with another passage in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. God's people should use sin as a danger to be avoided. You know, you see a sign that says, Don't go this way. I can handle it. We were driving in Memphis once, and there was a piece of road that was washed out. And they even had a sign that flashing yellow lights. Don't go this way. We stopped. And as we were getting ready to back up, some guy, nah, who worries about stuff like that? And he plows right on past us. And he goes right into the drink. And he had to get out of his car and slosh on back. Oh, this is going to cost me money and put me back in time. The sign was there. We were driving back from prison a few years ago. Had Miss Ruth with us in the back seat. And some of those roads, you don't go along. Clipping along. And uh, I drive the speed limit. And usually, usually, I, that, that's why I, I take that as my limit. And the road was curvy, it was dark. It was wet, double yellow line, so I'm driving. It said 45, I was driving 45. Some guy comes up behind me, very impatient. I mean, after the third or fourth time, he decided, I can't wait. So he goes around me. And Ms. Ruth says, well, he's impatient, isn't he? Where's a cop when you need? And then vroom, around him and us was another vehicle and a flashing red line. Hmm. Be sure your sin will find you out. Proverbs 6, let's read 23 through 29. For the commandment is a lamp. Rules are there for a reason. Especially God's rules. And the law's light and reproofs of construct, uh, instruction 
are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman. There's a lot of Proverbs about watch out for this kind of activity. Watch out for this temptation. From the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. Life is cheap sometimes. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. I never got one of those. I think I'll lure him to my lair. I think I'll have some time with him. <laughs> I've done it a lot, but he hasn't, and so he's going to find out what it's like. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? You say, well, no. You're going to get messed up. All through God's Word, you sin. You pay for it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Brother Kenny read that to us in our general session before we broke up. Galatians 6. It's not just there to take up space, folks. So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. It's the fool who makes a mock at sin. Says it's a light thing. No big deal. We need to take God's word, have his perspective. We need to hide it in our hearts. Scripture says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee.